The Gospel. The Gospel according to Mark, chapter 10, beginning at the 46th verse. They came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. For the Gospel of the Lord. Would you please be seated? Well, this morning uh, we are going to uh, go back to uh, a format uh, that I know some people have found quite engaging. Hopefully, if, um, uh, if you haven't experienced this before, you'll find it a little bit different to the, the traditional sermon uh, that normally fills this space. But um, we began this uh, last year uh, with what we called a chapel chat. But because of our growing choir, uh, we don't have room for a chapel chat in the chapel. So we, last uh, time we did this, we called it church chat. So um, I'm privileged uh, to be able to do uh, today's church chat with, with Dale um, on his final uh, day with us. Uh, he did suggest uh, last week as he preached that this might be the last time that you might hear from him in this way. But this was a little added extra bonus uh, surprise for you that we're doing this uh, this morning. Uh, and as we uh, share together, I'm going to pray. Uh, loving God, uh, may the words that come from this conversation uh, be edifying, not just uh, to us, but to you, because the words that come from us are built out of a relationship that we have in you and with each other. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. So whenever Dale starts a sermon, he asks us how we are, so I thought it was appropriate oh, that good. I ask how, how you are <laughs> as we have this chat. Yeah. Um, what we're not going to do this morning is give Dale 50 questions about how the last four years have been for him. What a shame. Um, if you'd like to know that, you can ask him later <laughs> uh, how, how easy it's been uh, to work or that... Uh, uh, otherwise with, with the team here at Ravina. Uh, but one of the things I really wanted us to do is, is to reflect um, as peers uh, that perhaps you may not have seen us do um, on a piece of scripture that is quite powerful and profound. So that's what we're going to hope to do today. We'll try. Exactly. 
Um, one of the things I love uh, to do when I'm reading a Bible passage um, is to come across stuff that I haven't noticed before. Um, and once I've found it, I, I generally don't go and find out whether it's an original thought or not because um, I, I like to have this thought that, I, that, that I've found it for myself. So this thought that I found um, the other day about this reading, I'm sure um, Dale, who reads much more widely than I have and other, others who've studied theology, may have come across, but I found it really interesting. Um, in um, Mark's Gospel, you find that... Um, that Mark is very careful with his words. It's, it's very quick. And there's an interesting nuance in this opening passage. We hear of Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar. Uh, and that really rattled me as I, I sat over that. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, is a title that would normally give somebody a sense of place, identity and status. Yet, he's a blind beggar. And that in and of itself would tend to imply in that culture that they had no place, no identity, and no status. And that really made me wonder what was going on in that family that led to that situation, whether this was something uh, that happened uh, and that was common knowledge, that there was a scandal in the family, uh, so that's a whole sermon for, an, for another day. But one of the things that it got me thinking about is how we name ourselves and the titles we get and inherit, um, how they f affect and form our identity, our sense of place and sense of status. Mm. And um, Dale's about to get a new title. <laughs> and, and how... Uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting for you to reflect on, on that yeah. idea and, and how coming from a director of uh, uh, youth, young adults and music into a role of um, campus pastor, what that's going to mean to your sense of place, identity and status. Yeah, I think we, we all grow, right, as we, uh, we go on this journey of life and clearly you become qualified for some titles as you get there. Um, you, you study medicine, you eventually will become a doctor. Um, if you study law, hopefully you'll become a lawyer, hopefully. But there are things that we, we kind of go through this process where titles kind of, uh, they, they, they come upon us when we get to a certain stage, when we've achieved a certain status. Um, it, it's been interesting for me because I've always felt that I um, am a person who has a pastoral heart um, and in that sense care for others and have had that, that sense of wanting to, to love and to care and even... Um, uh, being director of youth, young adults, and music here, which is quite a unique title in itself, <laughs> um, it, it's kind of been uh, always at the back of my my heart and mind to to pastorally care. And so I think as I move into a, a role where that's a huge part of what I will be doing. In fact, probably the majority of what I will be doing will be caring for the community at at, at Helen's Vale. Um, I, I feel like I am. I've, I've been doing it. Um, in some ways, uh, it's just that now it's going to be a, a clearer, more defined image. And I think titles only cover a certain amount. Um, you know, they, they don't cover everything of who we are because it, it doesn't really matter what we are titled with at the end of the day. It's who we are deep down inside. Our character is far more important than the title we carry. Um, we have many people in our world who carry titles who possibly don't deserve them. <laughs> um, 
you know, uh, especially uh, we, we will look at key figures in, in history and say, you know, how did you even get to that, that place? How did you get appointed to that role? Um, and I'm thinking of terrible people in history, people like Adolf Hitler and others who, who have who've managed to scale the ranks to be in a place and a position of leadership. So title is not everything. Title is just a part of the hierarchy in which we have to live in. And I think for me going to this new role, it, it matters very little what my title is in one sense. Stuart, I'm, I, I feel um, that deep down the responsibility that lies upon me is to pastorally care. Um, and I, don't, I, don't, I think in some ways that hasn't changed. Um, mm. I, I hope that that's been my, my role here too. Uh, one of the things that, that really strikes me uh, too about um, Dale as a person and hopefully for each one of us is, is that our identity is primarily formed by our relationship in Christ. And the, the nuance of this particular passage is, is that, um, that Bartimaeus is named but then gives Jesus a title. Um, and if we can give Jesus a title in our lives, Son of David, Messiah, Lord, mm. um, our Saviour, uh, that will flow out of us into our character, into our life, into our application. And it's been a privilege to see how Dale has done that over the last four years in this community. And, and I've got every confidence as I pray uh, him into uh, that new role that God will continue uh, to, to lead out of that relationship he has with Jesus. Um, Another interesting part of this passage is, is Bartimaeus um, is told by the crowd to, in more polite words, to shut up, <laughs> um, uh, to be quiet, but he speaks out and he seems to find something within himself uh, to keep calling out to Jesus, uh, which makes me wonder how we should apply that in our lives. Um, there are times, of course, when... Uh, we should be silent, and it's wise to keep our mouth shut. Mm. But there are other times when we should speak up. And um, I, I wondered what your thoughts on, on that idea of, of the conflict that we sometimes have in terms of speaking out and speaking up versus um, being quiet, uh, and, and how do we know the difference? Yeah, it's hard to know the difference sometimes. I don't know if it is for you guys. When to keep your mouth closed... Um, sometimes uh, we, we, uh, we let the words come out before we think about it too much. Um, I, I do think here that there is, there is a lesson here that um, we, we can see that when we, when we dive in too quickly to any situation, um, there is the possibility that we will say something we would regret. Um, here, blind Bartimaeus is, is reaching out for the right reasons. He's shouting for the right reasons. He's in need. He, he, he wants um, Jesus to help him, really. That's what he's seeking um, because he's in, he's in desperation. And uh, there is a, a good place to cry out. There is a place of desperation where we can reach out to God, we can reach out to Jesus and, and for the right reasons and out of the right heart. But uh, to put a, a random percentage on these things, I think... 30% of the time, we cry out for the right reason. <laughs> 70% of the time, we don't. We get outraged at this or at the other. I mean, we've talked a little bit about cancel culture and outrage culture um, here in this church in, in previous weeks. Uh, I think it's the, it's the mood of the day. It's the, uh, the current feel of society that you should be outraged about. Every teeny little tiny thing that occurs... Um, 
you know, if, if something doesn't quite go to your plan, then you have the right, nay, the privilege to, uh, to, to scream and rant about it, especially on social media, by the way. That's, <laughs> that's the special privilege that we all have, um, to share our opinions uh, on social media. But I, I, I do think that um, here we see it out of the right place. Um, and I think the key is, is knowing, um, it, the key is prayerfulness, the key is sitting and, and waiting and saying, no, no, I need to speak out. Especially if it's a tense, sensitive topic, say for instance, it has to do with injustice being done to others. We need to sit for a moment before we speak and mm-hmm. I think that's really valuable and important. I'm actually somebody who often speaks first and then thinks later. Uh, and uh, there, there have been times, and I've heard it described as this sense of holy discontent that, that has welled up within inside of me, but, but ironically, it doesn't come straight away. It, it's something that sort of builds over time. Uh, I, I typically, typically find in my, my character and nature that when I blurt something out, it's come from Stuart Perry. Uh, but when that sense of prayerfulness, as Dale said, has built into a holy discontent, mm. then I speak words uh, that often come out in ways that, um, that, that can be much more profound than I would think of them myself, that has to be the Holy Spirit working in and through me. And, and, and I'm sure it's different for others, but, but that's just a personal way that has worked in, in me. If, if, if I react immediately, it's generally of me if it builds over time through relationship and prayer, mm. and that time might only be a couple of minutes, uh, but it, it's, it's often my cue that, that God's actually doing something in me for me to speak up. Um, but I find more often than not, I'm much better with my mouth shut. Um, mm-hmm. uh, another interesting part of, of this, this passage is um, Jesus asks uh, Bartimaeus, what, what might seem like a really obvious dumb question. What would you like me to do for you? It's like, I'm blind. Like, but it makes me wonder whether it really was that obvious. If behind the naming there was this family scandal that was going on, Maybe what he wanted was restoration with his family, with his father, Timaeus. Mercy takes lots of different forms. But us naming what we want before Jesus must have some sort of impact. What do you think about the idea of us naming what we want or need before Jesus and how that impacts both us and Jesus? Yeah, it's super important. Um, I mean, uh, a big part of the reason we come to church is to be together um, as community before God. Um, But a a part of that is bringing what we both want and need um, uh, to him. You know, our our need for his acceptance and love, um, for care, for uh, the the ways in which we know that in community with God's people we can be um, loved we can be valued, we can be celebrated, we can celebrate each other's wins and losses, as it were. Um, I think that's a, it's, it's an important part of what it means to be church, is to come together to God um, with what we both want and need. Um, but I think it's pretty clear, Scripture teaches, the book of James is, is honest about this, that we, we 
we don't receive sometimes because we, we ask not or we ask with the wrong motive sometimes when it comes to coming to God with our, uh, our wants more particularly than our needs. Um, sometimes we can be selfish. I've made the joke before that I can pray for that Lamborghini. Um, I'm sure it'll come. <laughs> that want uh, doesn't come out of the right place. Uh, and although I have no doubt that God hears my prayer, uh, there's there's a very small chance. I'm, I'm, Lord, I'm not, I'm not saying that you don't have to do that. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, our, our position of asking uh, is really important. Um, knowing that the place from which we are coming from um, is a place of wholehearted sincerity. And that at the end of the day, even if we do come from a place of wholehearted sincerity, we believe in a sovereign God who understands and knows us, knows us better than we know ourselves, in fact. Uh, and uh, that, that, that understanding, that trust in the sovereignty of God enables us to see where the, uh, the chips may land in one sense and, and trust that the, the next steps, the following steps will be given to us um, in that situation of need uh, and we'll, we'll know what to do from there. Um, and that might sound a little bit mystical and without a uh, full conclusion, but I think sometimes there is this mystery of placing our needs before God and knowing that uh, sometimes they will be solved in a supernatural, miraculous way and other times they will not. Um, And there's a huge element of faith and trust in that process. And I think that's that's key here is that, you know, um, Bartimaeus, he had this this need. He didn't give up though. He was persistent. And many times, you know, we read um, in the Gospel of Luke, about prayer and about um, the woman coming to the judge's door at night and knocking and knocking and knocking and persisting. And I think there is a huge lesson to be learned that um, praying and seeking God for our needs is not a one-off endeavor. It is a continual, ongoing persistence uh, to seek out the one who can answer our needs. Dale mentioned about mystery, and and it, it is one of, I guess, the the nuances and culture of, of the Anglican Church is that we embrace a sense of, of the mystery of God, um, particularly in the sacramental nature of, of God. Uh, and my, uh, my prayer for Dal as he moves in, into this uh, new phase of his ministry and his journey is um, that his time with us may have revealed more of God, uh, uh, almost not, not, not necessarily saying that there was a blindness there, but, but, but our relationship with God uh, does open up more and we can see more clearly and, mm. and I pray uh, as he goes into this new role uh, he will find uh, that sense of, of, of the real presence of God in his life, in his family's life and in his ministry. So thanks for the chat this morning, Dale. We Thank will you. pray for you uh, a little bit later in the service, um, but uh, let us pray. Lord, may the words that have come from our hearts, our minds and our mouths bring glory to your name. We thank you for the relationships uh, that have been formed in this place and from our words we pray uh, that your name will be magnified and your purpose made clear. Open our eyes that we might see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our next hymn.
Please be seated as Dale leads us in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Let us pray for the world and for the church. For all who proclaim the word of truth, we pray the infinite wisdom of Christ. Cleanse our hearts of prejudice and selfishness and inspire us to hunger and thirst for what is right. Teach us to care for your creation that all may share the good things you provide. God of grace, hear our prayer. For all who have consecrated their lives to the kingdom of God and for all struggling to follow the way of Christ, let us ask the gifts of the Spirit. God of grace, hear our prayer. For all who govern the peoples of the world, that they may strive for justice and peace, we ask for the strength of God. Give to all nations an awareness of the unity of the human family. God of grace, hear our prayer. For scholars and research workers, that their work may benefit humanity, let us ask the light of the Lord. Strengthen all who give their energy or skill for the healing of those who are unwell or in pain, in body or mind. Set free all who are bound by fear and despair. And we take a moment to call to mind those known to us. God of grace, hear our prayer. For all who have passed from this life in faith and obedience, let us ask the peace of Christ and your comfort to those who mourn. God of grace, hear our prayer. And now in the pattern of prayer that Jesus gave his followers, we pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. As uh, we get to this point in the service, we are reminded that we have been uh, given a whole range of gifts, talents, opportunities and resources uh, for which we are called to share and to show and to be generous with. Uh, we would encourage you to continue to be generous um, with your finances as uh, they do help us to reach further into the community and both within the church and outside of the church. And there are ways to do that, both uh, in person and online. Uh, but we would also equally challenge uh, you to uh, think about how you might use those gifts and talents, those opportunities uh, to serve God in your church community, in the wider community. Uh, some of those who've been using those gifts uh, and talents uh, have been a small committee uh, that's been looking at uh, the 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 revitalization of our Garden of Reflection, which is behind uh, the sanctuary here in the church. Uh, it's a place 
um, of peace. It's a place also of purpose where uh, we have had uh, the ashes interred of, of a number of family members and parishioners over the years. Uh, we are um, in uh, the process of, of actioning that. Uh, on your way out, you'll find a little flyer if you're interested. We'll send that out via email throughout the week. Uh, with a, a plan. Um, the intention, I know, from the, of the committee is that everything will be handled in good, proper care and that nothing will be uh, unsettled in a, in a, in a way that, that might impact people. But if you've got questions, if you've got concerns, um, please see one of our wardens um, or one of the, the gardening committee. Um, wardens are, are Linda Hardstaff, uh, Stephen Ruck, and Todd Harm, the gardening committee, I believe, is Alan Mayer and uh, Lynn Farah and Brad Rolfs, and they'd all be happy to talk to you about that. Notice I didn't include myself in that. But uh, one of the things that we are exciting, uh, excited to do in the next coming weeks um, is that um, both Marianne, Marianne and I will be speaking into the idea of how we as Christians approach death and resurrection. And, and I think it's an opportunity for us uh, to really think about how God works in and through us, uh, through uh, the processes of life and death and, and re resurrection. So, um, ironically, we're, bringing, we're, we're beginning that on All Hallows' Eve next Sunday, so uh, for the next four weeks. Um, while we get ready for communion, uh, let's stand together as we sing our, what is formerly called our offertory hymn.